started StreamYard and it was very fast. And then now I'm seeing like the signal, or, uh, the the weak signal icon in the top left of StreamYard. So it's like, what you know, what's really going on? It does it all the time. <laughs> it's like I don't I don't understand it. It makes no sense. No, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And you would think like, you know. I feel like StreamYard is the beneficiary of the fact that it's just sort of like a simple interface, but, um, you know, and it's it's a little bit better alternative to things like uh, Zoom in terms of, like, your automatic distribution to your channels. But, mm-hmm. dude, make it fucking somewhat on par with <laughs> a, a, any of the technology we have today. Like, you know, I, I hate being the guy who bitches about the really cool stuff not being good enough, but it's not good enough, especially for as many people use it, especially for as many people like me that pay for it. Like... Mm-hmm. It should be better than Zoom in terms of its, you know, broadcasting capability, and it's just not. Yeah, I agree with you. But hey, what what are we what are we going to do about here, it? Right? Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and there are competitors money. too, so it's not like it's like a monopoly just dropping the ball. No, it's just I, no. maybe that maybe the tech is just difficult. Could be, and you know, who knows? Who knows? You know, if I knew anything about. You know how your internet signal determines your streaming stuff. I'd probably have a better quality show than what I put out when I do my podcast. So, so tell me a little bit about your podcast. What's it, what's the name of it? I have two podcasts. I have uh, the Darkest Hour, which is kind of like a inside the actor studio for comedians, and then I have um, the Wake Up Call, which is just kind of like a, reg- a random current events uh, political podcast. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, so you get to spend a lot of time with uh, other comedians. Uh, yeah, I would say I don't know what a lot of time is. I would say a regular amount of time. I don't know if it's a lot, but yeah, I I try to find if there's anyone that I think is interesting or has like, you know, maybe interesting stories behind their material or whatever. That's usually the people I try to go after. I mean, the whole thing started from the live show we we used to do in L.A. pre-pandemic called The Darkest mm-hmm. Hour. And we had comedians come on and try to just do their most fucked up stuff. And then uh, it kind of just grew from there. Like my old partners for The Darkest Hour are always like, oh, we're, we're just as interested in, you know, like the stories about like where the like what makes people want to do this kind of material. And then it kind of the. The idea of the pons- uh, the co- the podcast was pretty organic, uh, pretty organic concept. When you deviate it, you know, you kind of delineate it from the show. Um, it was sort of natural to slide it into a podcast form, and ideally, the idea was um, to do it like a green room show during the mm-hmm. live show, and then that just never materialized. We switched venues a couple times, which complicated the idea of doing that, and then, you know. Uh, one of the venues we did, the Ice House, like that second room doesn't really have a green room. Their sort of green room is the open bar next door, so there really wasn't a way to do that there. But, um, you know, who knows now post-pandemic? I, I still don't even know what fucking clubs are going to be open back up. In I know, man. I, I've heard that L.A., you know, kind of I, – I, I moved uh, to Texas from Orange County uh, six months ago. No, okay. more than six months ago. It was in August, so it was, I guess, almost a year ago now. And – um, uh. I mean, everybody kind of moved out. Of, not everybody, but a lot of people moved out of California during the pandemic. And uh, of course, Joe Rogan's the famous co- comedic example of somebody who left LA. But do you think? I mean, he kind of spins it like LA's hopeless. But man, it's a big city. I think they'll bounce. Uh, they'll be fine. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's funny. I I both simultaneously agree with what Tim Dillon said about uh, every, the mass exodus to Texas. Is that you know, if you were failing in LA, you'll keep failing in Texas. That's probably <laughs> That's true. true. 
That's and, true, uh, but but uh, Joe Rogan wasn't failing anywhere. <laughs> no, exactly. Joe Joe Rogan could move to the Arctic Circle and still be fucking fine. He'd just fly people. I tell you what, that would be guys. awesome. Can you imagine if he built a glass house in Antarctica and did his podcast out of that? It's like he's just see ice. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Um, you know, just young young Jamie wrapped in a fucking parka. You know, trying to keep them trying to keep the equipment warm, dressed in a frozen costume from the yeah. Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, man, I could see it. I think. Uh, you know, but I also agree with Whitney Cummings in her last podcast she did with Tom Segura, where she said like LA's always been fucked up. It's been fucked mm-hmm. up for twenty five years. It's like yeah, it's it's not. People somehow think it just got worse, and it is worse. But it's you know it's marginal. Like it was it was bad to begin with, and now it's a little bit worse. And that really has the the fucked up problem is that really has no bearing on anybody with any money or you know career in la anyway those people live in their own enclaves they avoid all the shit that the rest of us has to have to live in and mm-hmm. you know and the show goes on and it, that's why it doesn't get better and you know that's why the shitty governor that we have will probably get reelected because the problems that he's created are not problems for the rich and powerful people that will determine whether or not he gets reelected i don't know man people love to fire politicians and i don't i mean has there ever been a recall where the uh or the standing See, StreamYard working great as always. This is the fun part about StreamYard is when it actually, like the person who's hosting the show freezes out. I've done this before myself. I'm back. Yeah, weren't we just talking about how great the, or maybe it, maybe it shut down because we were shit talking. Like, we'll fucking show you guys. I don't know. I know that my internet's strong, so it's just streamyard streamyard issues. It, it, we'll see if it happens again. Interesting. Did you get enough. did you get booted too? Did it make you refresh? No, I was still in there. I was fun, I was like I was saying to the viewers uh, that uh, yeah the. Um, I was like, yeah, the host, the host got kicked out of their own show. <laughs> I, that happens to me all the time too. It happened when I was doing a pod with Gavin McGinnis uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. My fucking feed dropped. Oh, I'll like, have to watch just, that, man. I love Gavin McKins. Yeah, he, he's just sitting in my, you know, thing eating a sandwich, waiting for me to come back online. It's like, yeah, I think I, I actually think I cut that part out of it, but yeah, it's yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's that's always embarrassing when you have people on your podcast and then your stream drops. Yeah, well, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I, so yeah, I think LA has been fucked up for a long time. And yes, to your point, there really hasn't been a recall election where somebody has been uh, has the incumbent has stayed in. However, when your choices are Caitlyn Jenner and a bunch of uh, Republican dudes you've never heard of, it's it's not looking too good. So we'll see. I mean, I would 
I I've been on the let's elect Caitlyn Jenner train for a long time. It's a massive troll. Uh, yeah, I love absurd. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a comedian. I love the idea that a man cut his dick off and is now going to run our entire uh, state. I think it's wonderful. I think. Yeah. It's I, what I loved is I was doing a lot of political shows, sort of at the very tail end of the pandemic. Uh, like February, March, uh, a lot of like libertarian and conservative shows, and they were still trying to source um, candidates. And I was like, what's wrong with Caitlyn Jenner? And people were like, she's not a serious candidate. And I go, we're not a serious state. <laughs> I was just like, you know, this is this is the only place in the world where like a fucking 25-year-old white girl will tell you that walls are racist, but she lives in a gated community. And you know, abortion is her right, but dogs are people and they have feelings. And, you know, it's it's so fucking st- we, we have the dumbest, you know, organized religion is a problem. But I worship crystals like this. Is yeah, yeah. This is not a serious state. So we, we, I think we're ready for a chick with a dick. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I'm just curious as to when we're going to get past this idea that just because somebody's amazing in one industry that they're like fit for office like we trust celebrities with political opinions it's like tom hanks is an outstanding actor you know uh, leonardo dicaprio is a fantastic actor like but why are we listening to him about climate change like does this dude ever even taken a class on the ecosystem <laughs> like yeah, so I, mean, I don't know it's like caitlin jenner's an olympic athlete so she should be governor like what yeah i mean <laughs> the sad part is is like uh they're not any less prepared than these career politicians. I mean, you got to realize, like, most of these career politicians. They uh, suck, too. Yeah, I mean, they just sort of, like, skated through an Ivy League education that was paid for by some rich people mm-hmm. that was either their rich parents or friends of their rich parents. And, you know, like, Newsom uh, was basically groomed by the Getty family to be there. He's Pelosi's nephew, right? They're inside man. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's basically, you know... It would be like if the if Bill Gates was like, this is our new adopted son who we're going to run for office everywhere where we have legislative barriers to our monopoly. It's like, yeah, it's that's it's it's all bullshit. There, there, there is not, you know, the few the few and look at how we treat the few people that probably really are fit to serve and have great national leadership qualities like Tulsi Gabbard. They run her out of town. They call her a Russian spy. And it's like this is a woman who served her country as a veteran. As a military, uh, uh, like, a, I don't think she was a military doctor, but she, you know, she was, um, God, what is the word for it? Not um, medic? Yeah, medic. She was a medic. Yeah, a med- just medic. Uh, it's not more complicated. <laughs> Gummy that. Zeta! I played, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know if you ever played, I don't know if you play video games or not, but I'm a big Battlefield fan. I, yeah, whenever yeah. I hear medic, I just like, I just think of that video game with the, if you play the Germans, they're like, Gummy Zeta! Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was one of those. Yeah, and they would have you believe that she is from World War II and was <laughs> Right. She's got um, that like X Men Storm like gray streak in her hair, right? Rogue, you're getting them confused Rogue. now. Yeah, Storm's right. gray streak ran across her entire body because she's black. Um, so <laughs> no, she. Uh, what was I going to say? The um, you're going to get me banned, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. well, you know, you didn't do your whatever, research. man. Whatever. Uh, I'll just I'll just start a GoFundMe, bro. I'll be fine. Yeah, you'll, you'll get a month's rent out of it if if I'm in vacation. No um, yeah. So what was I going to say? The uh, yeah. So she, you know, she and she's got very good leadership prowess. She's very level headed. She has she's pretty ad- hot. 
She has well, an still, intention. It's an elephant in the room. She's really yeah, I mean, hot. You know, I, I wonder how much of that is just sort of a battle of attrition. It's like, I'd be hot if you put me next to 90% of the people in, in Congress. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mitch McConnell's, you know, pretty good looking. Yeah. I mean, put, <laughs> listen, I love Tulsi. She's a wonderful woman. Uh, you put her next to, nor- like, a, you put her in a casting call, she's a four. You put her in Congress, she's a 15. That's the, that's the obsession that's the obsession with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's the first one who doesn't look like a crypt keeper, and everybody's like, she's so hot. It's like, You're yeah. right. When's the last time we had a hot um, rep ever? Ne- never, never. That's why, and by the way, like all hot girls, she can be as stupid as she wants to be, and we still love her. See, and I don't think she's stupid. I just think that she's evil, man. Yeah. I think I she know. just makes shit up, and it works. I mean, that's the pernicious thing about attractive women is that they have been misleading us since the dawn of time. I mean, if you remember Cleopatra. I, know, I remember. You know. And Joe yeah, Rogan. Joe, remember, not Joe Rogan. Joe, Joe Biden actually remembers Cleopatra. Yeah, they were contemporaries. Finally, yeah. He's like, I, rem- I was her mentor. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, think, um, I think AOC is a good example of, like, sort of how, how American culture is full of shit because – the second she got into office, started making good money and got any kind of power, um, any set of principles or any sort of view of her mission uh, got pushed to the wayside. And now it's just staying in power is her only goal. And that's everybody. That's everyone. But what what actual legislation has she gotten through? I don't know. If like, she's actually has she actually done anything? It. She's presented a shit ton of it. I don't know if she's actually yeah. gotten anything pushed through. So, you know, it's uh, – but. But boy, those titties, right? And that's like, I will. I can't tell you how many of my even most conservative friends are like, but those titties, though. They don't care how pernicious her politics are whatsoever. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's honestly why fucking men will continue to lose its shit because they can't stop thinking with their dicks when they should be thinking with their brains. I guess, but just they, because... We deserve everything we get. We deserve everything <laughs> we get. I- I, you know, I've got a buddy who's, um, who's single, uh, and we were, we were talking and he was saying that he would date, uh, AOC. And I'm like, man, really? Like, like, I get it. She's, she's hot, Dude, but her, I don't think I could be in a room life. with her for 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, what's funny is her real life boyfriend <laughs> looks like a, like somebody sprinkled me with fairy dust. I, <laughs> I he looks like a gayer version of me. Like I, and I was like, no person who would willingly fuck a gayer version of me, which I didn't even know they could make that. But uh, anybody who would willingly have sex with a more flamboyantly gay-looking version of me shouldn't be trusted to make decisions for anybody, let alone the state of New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, is she still dating that guy? Because I, I remember she did that. She did that video with him where he was like, "Well, dating. I'm sorry, I'm white." You know, yeah. <laughs> he like she like made him apologize. I'm it was sure very like, did. it was like kiss the glove shit, man. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> she did. Listen, I'll tell you this. I don't know if they're still dating, but they've never been fucking. I promise you that. She's <laughs> well, getting. She's probably secretly getting drilled down by you know some Dominican fucking Yankee. No way, man. Uh, ben Crin- or, or Dan, getting- Dan Crenshaw, man, dude. <laughs> Aaron, Dan Crenshaw's. No, she's probably getting just throat raped by Aaron oh, Judge God. of the New York Yankees. It's six foot seven baseball. <laughs> just shredding her pussy, I bet. I and, I bet I... and I bet the guy that looks like me is like watching and drawing it on a sketch pad. Like, this is lovely. Yeah, she's she's getting a judge. I didn't know that New York still had a baseball team. Yeah, yeah. They have two of them. Uh yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> his, his name might be Judge, but that dick is all executioner, my friend. <laughs> oh, shit. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. Oh, no, you so... know what, man? You should run for office because I'd love to hear this shit on C-SPAN. People would actually start watching it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll get the eyes. I don't know if I could get the votes, but I could definitely get the views. Because, yeah, they're... they're... There really has not been uh, – you kind of need that pro-wrestling uh, candidate in politics, yeah. right? I mean, and in a way, that I think that's a big part of why Jesse Ventura won when he ran for governor of Minnesota is because he – another recall election, by the way, um, because, you know, he had the gift of gab, and he had that way of talking like a pro wrestler where he got people, you know, excited about him. wasn't even yeah. about, like, policy or anything he was saying. They just liked – the idea that he was taking on the establishment. Yeah, well, I mean, Trump, too. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I mean, people people got really fired up about, couple, like, one or two of his policies, you know, but I, I think mostly people just liked the fact that he was going to go in and piss everybody off. I voted for him because everybody I hate hates him. Yeah. <laughs> I was and, like, so he's my guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't – I get that. I didn't vote for him in 2016 um, back back when I thought my vote mattered. I so so you voted for Hillary? No, I voted or did for you, Gary, Gary Johnson. What is Aleppo? Yeah, I mean, first of all, his answer should be uh, his answer should have been to that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm focused on the United States. I really don't give a shit about other countries. That would have been a better answer. Uh, that would have been how Trump would have responded. Yeah, exactly, and that's why you know people like you cannot if you're really gonna fucking make change in any any industry, you cannot give a fuck about what those that came before you laid in front of you, and that's what made Trump successful as a disruptive candidate and. I didn't vote for him in 16, but I did vote for him in 2020. Uh, so, you know, I, I and I and, uh, you know, there was a big part of me that was like, boy, I would love for him to win just to. Yeah, I very much wanted the people that didn't want him to win to be sad more than I cared about whether or not he got to be president. How come you uh, didn't vote for uh, Jorgensen? Joe Jorgensen? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, I mean, vote for Gary Johnson. What's the difference? I don't know anything about Joe Jorgensen, by the way. So I'm just asking. Yeah, I mean, I would just wasn't impressed by anything she had to say. She seemed like such a placeholder candidate. I mean, you know, um, it, it, it just felt like a the problem I have with libertarians is that they make these very feeble attempts to be a bridge between the two parties rather mm -hmm. than to be their own thing. And mm -hmm. that was very much what Joe Jorgensen felt like. If I like, look, we have a woman who's very progressive, uh, but who's also a libertarian. And she, you know, what was she a doctor or something? I don't know. But, you know, and she know. and she had some very, you know, libertarians try to appeal to Democrats by ha having like absurdly left leaning social policies where they're just like, not only do I think abortion should be legal, safe, but they should be mandatory. And you're just like, what, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Like, yeah, we should have to, every person should have to kill one of their babies. Like, it's like, no, that's Chinese. What are you doing? You're going too far. You went too far. You overcorrected. Now you're in East Asia with your policy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I got into a thing, not I really got into a thing on Twitter, but like, um, you know, this the thing with Marjorie Taylor Greene came out yesterday, and this is where the right bothers me, is that the right gets too puritanical to the right, where it's like, you know, contraception is abortion. It's like, it's not. Scientifically and medically, it's not. It just prevents fertilization. It's not abortion. Like, she was like, plan B is an abortion pill. No, it's not, you dumb bitch. Um, and so, 
you know, it's like, yeah, I agree. We ha- I think we have a moral responsibility as a culture to look at something like abortion the same way we did at slavery and said, yeah, there's a lot of conveniences that come with it, but it's probably not the right thing to do. And can yeah. we create a society where we can avoid it and come up with a better solution? And that's what I think. It's like, so so then I put like, yeah, abor- the moral to me, there's absolutely no debate about the morality of abortion. It's something that if we are going to hold ourselves out as a leading culture um, in a, in global civilization and and the way like if we're going to be a shining example of aspiring to be better then abortion can't be part of that culture moving forward any more than slavery could have continued to be a part of our culture moving forward however you then have to make concessions to where you can live in reality with laws that support that morality. So you can't go, yeah, we're going to make abortion illegal, but then we're also not going to allow people to have access to contraception. It's like, yeah, I'm fine with making abortion illegal, but but you should be able to walk into pavilions across from my place and fucking reach into a bin and grab a handful of whatever contraception you want for free. If we all agree that a smaller, more controlled, more intentioned population is desirable then why is abortion the solution over free health care and free birth control and it's like people want to argue with me about the you know well if you if you're for free health care uh or or you know the argument people will often make is nothing is free so it's all taxpayer funded health care right so if you're for taxpayer funded medicare and you're for taxpayer funded birth control you're not a libertarian okay that's fine then then withdraw me from that party or take that label off me i don't care but um but i absolutely think we can afford it i think we spend a lot of money on dumb shit we don't need and can't can't really justify and I think every American in this country should have free health care before we spend a dollar getting some fucking terrorist into a school in in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, I, I don't give a fuck about other countries. I don't, they're not our responsibility. Um, they can use our tourism money to pay for whatever the fuck they need. And um, I kind of I kind of have the opposite opinion, man. I think that we should give our entire budget to liberia like let's just make liberia the best fucking place ever yeah. <laughs> like let's just we pick are... one arbitrary country and go in we and did... pay no, no military just pay for everything upgrade everything <laughs> we have we have that it's called los angeles and it ain't working out too well. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're right. we took all the money we dumped it into la and then we're like what if we just let them live on the street and shit where they want that's fine right <laughs> When did that ever become like that? And that's the that's the whole that's the problem I have with like this liberalism of hands off, like, you know, uh, you know, in some ways they're like, yeah, freedom is letting people do whatever they want. It's like, no, that's chaos. That's not freedom. Right. Well, freedom and anarchy are are not the same thing. Yeah. I mean, in order to have freedom, you you have to have an entity that protects your freedom and protects your rights. Yeah. Or give people the ability to protect their themselves or, you know. Right. And we don't even really have that in California. You can't carry a weapon in California, even if you have a permit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Special sheriff's exemption, which I could probably get very easily um, just because I used to be on TV for a minute. But if you have any reasonable, uh, it's so people think that I'm AOC's boyfriend. I need a permit now. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, yeah, the, um, that's, what's so ridiculous about these laws and everything is like, I could literally write a letter to my sheriff and say, I'm a public personality. And this is what a lot of other of our comedian friends do, by the way, the ones who are more famous and successful, they literally just write a letter to the sheriff and they get a special exemption 
uh, because they're a person, a person of interest, right? And mm-hmm. then they're allowed to conceal carry, carry weapons, and their or their security is allowed to uh, conceal carry weapons as well. So it's that's what's so interesting is a lot of times you'll see these. It happens a lot more with rappers than it does with like comedians. But you'll see these situations where like a rapper will get uh, you'll see a thing where they're like they're pulled over and they get taken in on a weapons charge. And then you find out nothing happened. And it's often because they have a sheriff's exemption um, to carry to conceal carry. So but they don't like to publish that because it's not very street cool. Right. Like it's not. Yeah, I got a sheriff's exemption. Motherfucker. I'm cold. Like, it doesn't look badass to be like, my team petitioned the government to give me permission to carry weapons legally. Like, there's nothing gangster about that. <laughs> so they don't really advertise that part. But, yeah, most most rappers have uh, a sheriff's exemption to conceal carry based on the, the idea that they're a person of interest and they're going to be targeted. Yeah, and it's and the other thing to consider, too, is that even if you do carry – uh, uh, in California, the laws are so stringent that in the case that you actually use your weapon to defend yourself, the chances are you're going to go to jail for murder, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, especially if you're a cracker like me. I mean, there's not a situation. <laughs> I could literally be getting gang raped, and if I shot one person of color, they'd be like, this is a hate crime. Like, I'd be like, no, I was getting fucked in every hole, and I just happened to reach my gun and save my life. And I like, found it. Looks like a, yeah, looks like a hate crime to us. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could literally pull one of their guns and shoot them. And, uh, you know, I could be getting gang raped by 10 Lexington Steels and DMZ <laughs> would find a way to tell you that I am the I am the perpetrator of that. Right. Well, yeah, that, that's um, the, that's to be the fair, it, it would be a hate crime. <laughs> what, to shoot five men gang raping me? Yeah. Yeah. That's hateful, man. OK. Well, yeah. I, I could tell you it would be a crime of passion. That's for sure. <laughs> I've never been fucked by one dude, so when five started doing it, I took exception. You're, can you imagine being on the stand and the prosecutor being like, "So, did you did you have hate in your heart at the moment of the shooting?" But well, mostly like, no. my asshole, Your Honor, was mostly <laughs> located in my gaping, pro truncated rectum. Uh, prolapsed. Yeah, it was in my prolapsed asshole. Was where the hatred lied, and then I directed it into my uh, peacemaker. <laughs> so do you do you own any firearms in california no no i don't have any here i do own guns but they're not in california i i mean i I'd, I'd have to go through a lot to transfer them here but um i just haven't done it yet uh, you know yeah i live in a i live in a pretty secure building so i'm not too concerned about it and uh you know it's it's also i live in a very uh sort of like uh I live in oh you you're from out here you know so I live in Burbank so it's like you know the, there aren't really the the shit doesn't really run through Burbank like when the shit hit the fan with the George Floyd thing and the protests and everything happened I think the closest thing to any sort of like riots or protesting we had was a bunch of white people holding hands in downtown Burbank outside of a fucking Katsuya Honestly though that really helped What did all the white people holding hands. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. It made, I don't know if you know this, but black, there was a lot of healing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of black lives are now 14% better because of white people's acknowledgement. And uh, yeah, it's so stupid. 14% all this, better. All this stuff is, all this stuff is performative. 
And, uh, you know, honestly, any any of my white comedian friends that participated in that stuff uh, in the summer, I immediately unfollowed on social media and don't associate with anymore. Do you think it was just virtue signaling or do you think yes. they actually felt that way? Yes. Yes. I don't think any of them. No, I've never seen any of them talk to a black person in their entire life outside of a restaurant and putting their order in. Like, yeah, it's, it's so it's so fucking performative. I mean, the reality is, is. Uh, you know, is there anything to me? There's nothing more racist than the idea that a white person doing nothing is somehow helping black people like that to me is uh, again and again, like so much of why I talk about race so much in comedy is because I, the, uh, I see the world that way. Like I see how I see this such this bigotry of low expectations that white people have around people of color that um and how full of shit they are and most of the people that you see that are very like blme um on on social media are actually some of the most racist people you'll ever fucking meet in your life and i and i learned that from moving to philadelphia or moving when i was a kid i lived in uh, philadelphia suburbs i spent a little time in delaware and then i moved to minnesota end of sophomore year and uh, the East Coast is a very outwardly racist place, and the Midwest is a very inwardly racist place. And the inwardly racist people are way fucking worse because they, there actually is like a, a subdued level of like like East Coast racism is just bitching and moaning. It's like oh the fucking Koreans they taken they took all the good real estate and fill it up. But there's no these people aren't organizing to fuck with the Korean people. Do you understand? Whereas, like, in Minnesota, uh, they'll be like, oh, you know, these, uh, you know, they they got all these Mexican guys coming up here to work at the Hormel plant. You know, that's great. That's really great. And then these people are having, like, secret fucking meetings and trying to work with local legislators to, like, get the Mexicans out of Minnesota and out of the factory and, like, and get their kids out of our schools. And it's like, so... You know, the, oftentimes I learned at a very young age that the people who are the most friendly to your face are probably doing the most fucked up shit behind closed doors and actually working to, you know, circumvent any progress or or any opportunity you might have. And uh, the people who are really just like talk shit directly to your face are probably the people who actually take the least amount of action to obstruct what you're trying to do. Yeah, and you know, I I picked up on that too growing up, and that's why I generally just make an effort to be as much of an asshole in person as possible, so people know that I'm actually nice. Not, yeah, you're actually a nice guy. Yeah, this, that's the thing is, I will tell you this: uh, I would be willing to bet that my so-called friends in comedy have done as much or more to prevent me from getting opportunities as the people who openly hate me on the internet. Because really, just so subversive people, behind your back. Of course, they're because they view every opportunity you get as an opportunity they lose. So mm. you I've know, heard that about Hollywood. It's just hyper competitive, yeah, sort of cutthroat yeah, like that. Well, yeah, and it's, but it's also not about competition because it's like we're all. If you really believe we're all unique snowflakes, then who am I competing against? AOC's boyfriend. Right. That's it. I think I've got it. I think I've got it in a bag. So you know, it's like. If you really had this belief that what you do is somehow proprietary, then you would believe that no one is your competition. But comics aren't like that. Like, even people that are my friends, I know, um, like, at times, if they've been asked, like, hey, do you know any other really good comedians that could do this club? Like, they won't mention my name because they're afraid if I go in and do well, that that'll mean less dates for them. 
Like I've seen because I've seen the same people I'm talking about do it when other comics names are brought up in front of me. And they think it's like when people get together uh, cheating on each other's spouses and then they get shocked that one of them cheated on each other down the road. It's like y'all motherfuckers met cheating on your wives and husbands and now you're surprised that you're cheating on each other. It's like I watch other comedians talk shit about other comedians to bookers. And then they somehow think that I don't know that they do that about me when I'm not around. Like, I, it's it's pretty fucking obvious. And yeah, so, you'd think the good bookers would know, though. Like, all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, Because they, they've the, seen it for years, right? Sure. But the problem is, is that bookers, if you think about the like what, what kind of person generally runs a comedy club, they're never really like type A, hardworking, diligent fans of comedy. Like, comedy club bookers and owners are the lazy and restaurant owners by the way a lot of them are the laziest motherfuckers in business because a no lot shit. of it, I, yeah, that's so a, counterintuitive though because it's so competitive and so hard to make money in that dude, business have you ever watched bar rescue <laughs> have you ever watched bar rescue i have I most have. of the people on that show are not people that busted their ass to open their own business those people don't need to be rescued they're on top of their business i'm talking right. about people who mom and dad left them 50 G's and they thought, what kind of business can I, I'll open a bar and I'll hard. I, I love to drink. I'll, I love <laughs> to drink. Yeah. People like me. Uh, I've got all kinds of friends that'll come in. And so, and these businesses run into the fucking ground. Cause the person really doesn't want to work. They want to hang out and drink and fuck around. And you know, I can't tell you how many, uh, how many club owners I've met over the years whose clubs are now closed. And they were like, you know, I was like the funny guy at the office and I always like up, So I thought I'll open a comedy club. And this fucking guy is the guy after the show. Who's like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, it'd be a funny bit for you to put in your act like this guy. And then his, you know, his club is closed in three years. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't know how to fucking keep his bartenders from stealing money. Oh man. How frustrating is that to you when somebody's like, Hey, you need to, you need it. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, if somebody's like, hey, man, you know what you should put in that one bit? I'm like, yeah, tell me. Has anyone ever given you something where you're like, oh, that is fucking hilarious? Only other comics. Yeah, I've never yeah. had somebody off the... And I'll tell you what, like, my funniest friends are my my oldest friends. So, like, uh, they've never been like, you should take this and put it into a bit. But there are a lot of times where the shit we riff and joke about together ends up in material. Um, just yeah. because, like, you know, my my... My funniest friends are not comedians. Like, my funniest friends, my two childhood buddies, Rich and Sean, that I've known since high school. Or I've known Sean since we were 10. Um, he's my oldest friend. And, and we'll just come up with the funniest shit hanging out together. And then my other buddy, Ryan, who's probably my oldest Minnesota friend, or one of my oldest Minnesota friends, he's a, he's a bass player for the band Three Pill Morning, and he's fucking funny. And then my friend Tyson, who I went to high school you with. you got to be Minnesota. funny if you play bass. Yeah. Um, and then my friend Tyson, who's like a CTO for a company and he lives in like Montana. He's one of my funniest friends as well. So like all my funniest friends who actually probably would write better material. Like if I, if I had uh, Kevin Hart money and I was like, let me pay my entourage of friends to write jokes for me. Uh, is that what Kevin Hart does? This well, is entourage like, writes like, jokes. He has like an entourage of five or six writers that are other. Yeah. The, the solo cup dudes, right? The, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The flip, the well, I thought, cup. I thought, Red yeah, Red Cup Boys or, or something, yeah. like, Solo Cup Boys. I uh, yeah, Red, I don't know. But uh, so so does Kevin Hart write his own shit? I thought he did. No, I mean some of it, some of it. But yeah. all all those guys help, you know. 
I, I watched that um that like Netflix docu series about him that you know was a few episodes. I thought it was pretty good. It's you know he's really done a good job of turning his uh, brand into like a, a business. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a corporation now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he knows about it. That, you know what I hated about that documentary? What was when he had that sort there's of? There's like no white dudes. No, there's. You know, I, I hated the. Uh, no, trust me, we'll, we'll, we have plenty of opportunities. Oh no, one company. <laughs> <sighs> I hate. Yeah, we should we should file a lawsuit on Kevin Hart yeah, for uh, I, <laughs> discrimination. No, no, actually, <laughs> the biggest problem I had in his were the white women. So, like, when he was going through his controversy, I don't know if you remember the episode, but he was, like, sitting at a table, and he's like, if you have a problem with any of, the, any of this, let me know. And, like, some girl who's, like, 22-year-old white chick who's, like, his head of development, right? So she's probably already in a job that she doesn't fucking deserve. And she's like, you know, my brother is about to get gay married, and what am I going to tell their florist about your comments about gay people and i was like i was like dude if that were me i'd be like get your shit and get the fuck out of here did he you just should... make some joke about a dollhouse like if my kid was gay i'd smash him in the head with the dollhouse like that was I, his tweet right yeah i don't even yeah i'd, I'd yeah i'd smash the dollhouse over his head or something yeah yeah it's, it's yeah obviously it's not serious <laughs> but this is my point is like you should tell them that the entire wedding is basically paid for by Kevin Hart's money and that you should be very <laughs> appreciative and you should get over his fucking jokes. That's what I would have told her. I would have been like, you make a retarded amount of money to look at other people's work and go, meh, eh, meh, yeah, I'll pass it on to Kevin. And you probably make hundred and twenty-five grand a year or more to read scripts for Kevin Hart and now you're afflicted because he once made a joke about gay people and you have a gay brother or you have a brother who's getting married and the florist is gay. I can't remember the exact details, but it was just like the biggest pile of shit. And, and even his publicist who was like, Kevin, you're not going to do this. You're not going to go on your radio show. You're not going to talk about this. I'd be like, I'm going to go on whatever the fuck I want to go on and talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. Because I don't know if you know this, but I pay for all this shit. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, just I, I couldn't believe the man has far more patience and grace than I would in that situation, because I would have walked in that room and said, I'm a comedian. All this is paid for by the jokes I've made. Good, bad or indifferent. And if you don't like it, there's the fucking door. There's the he door. never really apologized, though, did he? No, he didn't apologize to the public, but he basically like dove on the sword to his team internally in that doc, which which is the part mm -hmm. that kind of, you know bothered me i was just like you don't owe them anything they have no they you know their their lives would all be harder without your money so that's what i would tell them i would bring them in the room and go i'm so sorry that the money i give you has created complications in your personal life i guess you're gonna have to figure that out if you want to keep cashing my checks and you have a moral conundrum about that what we'll do is we'll put you on suspension you can decide if your paycheck is worth putting up with my intolerance for gay people through comedy, and then we'll figure it out when you can't pay your rent. Yeah. Like, so I have just, you? I just hate you, this idea that like uh, that you answer to the people that work like, and I and I do believe from a from a like a leadership perspective, right? You do have to be accountable to the people that work for you. Well, but yeah, but you don't also don't want to hire people that suck. Yeah. So like exactly. that that employee like, just sucks. Like, also, uh, what like, a buzzkill. But this is what I have a problem with with the whole concept of like, and I and I hate to make the the phrase cancel culture, but this is a problem with all of that. This PC culture, cancel culture, whatever is like the jokes, the work itself, 
is not something that I owe you an explanation for. Do you think like every day on the set of American History X, the director was walking around going like, listen, I know this is all really sensitive subject matter for everybody, but it's a movie. And I just want you to know, and I appreciate you, you know, being black in a movie about white supremacy. I know that's hard for you. No, it's a fucking movie. That's the art. That's the work. Nobody has to be told that it's not personal. Do you know what I mean? And so to have people in your building, if you're Kevin Hart, where they have to be reminded every day that the work you make comedically is not personal. I would never have those boat anchors laying around my office. That would be a drag on my creative spirit. Yeah, but on, on the other hand, so first of all, I totally agree with you. But on the other hand, can you really say that comedy isn't personal? Because I think what makes real good comedy funny is the fact that it rings true. So when you say a joke that's hilarious on a sensitive subject, you know, maybe it's personal and it should be like not personal in a bad way that it needs to be canceled or censored. But maybe the reason it's funny is because of the absurdity of the general consensus of the of the of the subject. I don't know. You mean what? why it's personal? Yeah, but it's still not personal. Like if I write a yeah. joke about gay people, like I have a joke about. Uh, if your doctor's gay, you should immediately get a second opinion. I don't have a personal vendetta against gay doctors. The idea for this joke came from the fact that I got a ridiculous medical diagnosis from a doctor who also happened to be gay, and that my immediate gut reaction was that their sexual preference was a foundation for a complete flaw in their medical prowess. Like, well, if on day one they said, this is where the shit comes out of, and this is where your dick goes, and you said, I disagree. <laughs> Uh, maybe you are not the person for being a scientist or a doctor. Like, right, right. You know, they just go like, it's sort of like, there's some pretty simple parts of this whole medical shit. It's about to get real complicated. But day one, the poop comes out of here and then your penis goes in this hole and you were like, I think the penis can go wherever it wants. And then you're like, okay, well, you should, I don't think you should get to be a doctor if you're already flunking on day one of like, uh, my opinion is that bloodletting right. is fine and you can put your dick where the shit comes out. That They <laughs> both sound like preposterous. Med like homosexuality is fine as a sexual choice, but as a medical opinion, it's preposterous. And so, you know, and it's like gay people could be offended by that joke, but that, and that joke is personal to me because it comes from my reaction to a personal experience. But I didn't write it with the, any intention of it hitting any gay people anywhere. It's just about being funny. It's about, again, Tom Segura said it perfectly. Like, your job as a comedian is to live your life and report on it. I can't be responsible for what comes out of this guy as a first reaction of, like, this is, this is just how my brain works. And right. So, well, and you can't be homophobic if you voted for Gary Johnson. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole argument. I'm not racist. I voted for Obama. Yeah, I don't think he's gay, but he's a psychopath. So is there a difference? <laughs> See, that's not directed at any does, specific. Does he, does he wear elbow pads? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he wears elbow and knee pads and a helmet. If you wear a bike helmet, you might as well take a dick because they're pretty much the same. Pretty much the same black eye socially. I would rather be caught getting fucked by a man than wearing a bike helmet. I'll tell you that. I'd be, yeah, I think I could explain one more than the other because you look at me. You know, I'm not cycling. So why am I yeah. wearing a bike helmet? Probably, probably you know, not hurt myself sucking them dicks. I have no problem dying in a bicycle accident. I'd yeah. rather die in the accident than wear the helmet and make it. 
Well, and that's actually the back end of that joke. That joke w- kind of led to a much more existential thought process of like, why are why is everyone so obsessed with staying alive for as long as they can? Now, I don't mean everyone should run out and kill themselves, but we have a real obsession with not dying in this country that I don't think is deserved. You know, it's, and it's so- something like eighty percent of all healthcare costs are sunk in the last ninety days of life. Yeah, it's, it's something think, astronomical. Well, and this weird thing that we'll spend all our money, all our time, and and waste away all of our happiness on trying just trying to stay alive. I mean, if you really boil it down, how much of the American dollar is built on prolonging their lives? I mean, health, food, nutrition, uh, uh, self help, mental health, uh, you name it. And and there's this weird obsession with like prolonging your lives as long as you possibly can and you saw it a lot like the 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 real pernicious thing about like vaccine man, uh, mandates and things like that is like um they're literally using that knowledge of american citizens uh desperation to stay alive that fear of not getting to stay alive to get people to do whatever they tell you to do and you know, it's so funny, like 90, I've had COVID at least two times, I know for sure. And I think I just had the third flare up recently, I was sick for like two weeks. And it was exactly like the second time I had it, where I was, we were, we were tested, we knew we had it. Um, and all the symptoms were the same and everything else. Are you and scared? Was, no, not at all. Not in the slightest. Not out, not, you know, because the, the fucked up thing is the first time we had it, we had it for 10 weeks. We were really, no, really you sick. had, the, you had it for a long time. 10 weeks. Yeah. Uh, wow. And we were sick basically from Black Friday 2019 until like mid- early January of 2020. And this was before anybody. I think I had it in November, too, to be honest with you. Yeah, I got and- very sick. I got so sick. My balls hurt, dude. Not dude, to be was- too personal, yeah. but it was brutal for a- about a week for me. And it was fucked up because it was like it doesn't. This is what people uh, people go. I love when COVID denier people are like, you just had the flu, pussy. It's like, no, I've had the flu. <laughs> I don't know, 25 times in my adult life, I know what the flu is. The flu is yeah. diarrhea, cold symptoms, a little bit of fatigue, right? I've also had mononucleosis when I was... That sucks. Uh, Mono sucks. I, I've had it a like million times. When I was 19 or 20, I had it, and it was like swollen throat to the point of not being able to eat or breathe well for like two weeks. Um, so I've had that too. This is different. COVID is different. It starts out with like a sore throat. Then it feels like a sinus infection. Then you lose the sense of taste and smell. Then your level of fatigue is so bad that it's like it hurts to stand up. Um, mm-hmm. And then. So you had a bad case, though, because some people will have very mild symptoms, too. I think yeah, that's no. why these COVID deniers are like, oh, you just had the flu. It's like, yeah, like some people have an experience with COVID where it is like not as bad as the flu. But and the flu, not... gives, you, and the flu gives you the runs, but COVID makes you constipated. So, oh, so like, you didn't poop for a couple months. N- no, I no, I mean, I <laughs> no, it was literally like you poop out pebbles of sand. It was awful. Oof. And there was like no amount of hydration that could fix the way you feel. And the long-term problems I have uh cuz people got the you know, I have a friend who's a scientist and she's like, you know, the long the you know, we get the long-haul have, covid. She goes, she goes, "You should get the vaccine cuz the long-term effects of covid are are devastating." And I go, they're both less than two years old. You guys don't know the long-term effects of anything. All right. you know is like anecdotal evidence from the few cases you've heard about. We also have anecdotal evidence of the vaccine killing children and enlarging mm. their hearts and them dying instantaneously as a healthy 13 and 14-year-old. So 
Don't tell yeah, me I saw somebody somebody posted a study that was like, oh, out of a study of 150 children, only 1.5% of them had enlarged hearts after the vaccine. I'm like, 1.5%? That's like, more than the virus. That's more than the virus <laughs> killed in that age group. So, yeah, yeah the, 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 the solution can't be more deadly than the cure, and that's literally the data. And we're fucking yeah. retarded. About yeah, it. yeah. So, so you're saying that if we vaccinate a hundred thousand children, fifteen hundred of them are going to have enlarged hearts? Yeah, and no. die. Yeah, and that's well, then not. And they didn't die in the study, so just then, just to be then, honest, yeah, but, yeah. but they still had enlarged hearts. But then they go. But then they go. Well, that's a good percentage, and you go. Yeah, actually, COVID deaths are smaller than that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. For kids, it's it, and even I think overseas they don't even do it. For, they don't. It's illegal, isn't it? In the UK to give it to kids? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't I know. Say for sure, I don't I want to say the wrong shit. But yeah, I, I will so, say this this shit with Weinstein going on though and Ivermectin is very interesting how they're being censored on YouTube. Are you familiar, have you been following that at all? Brett Weinstein? Mm-hmm. Dude, no, I, do you I know you know who Brett Weinstein is, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but I So the I dude's a legit scientist. Yeah, the, well, the dude's a legit scientist, and um, he had like a two and a half hour podcast on with Dr. Pierre Corey, I believe, and they basically just like went into the data and all the evidence that ivermectin is definitely an effective preventative drug that you can take for, uh, to avoid COVID, uh, but it's also if you catch COVID early enough, a good treatment. And they're basically um, made the case that it looks like. Uh, ivermectin was intentionally hidden as a treatment because of the emergency use rules around vaccines. If there's a treatment, you can't get emergency use for a vaccine. And secondly, um, it's an old and very inexpensive drug that is um, no not patent can, protected anymore, so no yeah, one can make no, money on it. No one can get, you know, no one can become a billionaire off. But I mean, yeah, and, know, I, and I'm I not mean, a scientist, so I can't say whether or not you know what they're saying is legit. But I can listen. say that I trust Eric, and he's very, very smart, and he's not an attention-seeking whore. So if he's saying it, it's because he actually believes it. Yeah, and I have no reason to, to mistrust the dude either. Everything I've ever seen him speak on has been, you know, pretty on the money. So, and his yeah. brother, and his brother as well. Um, yeah. I will say this. Oh, uh, I meant to say Brett. Brett's his brother, right? Brett's no, the, no, Brett, the Brett's no, no. the scientist. Eric's the, the scientist. Uh, Eric is the philosopher, I guess. I don't. Yeah, know. the yeah, this physicist. I like to Eric's say which for the fa- Brett fan, was right? the one that Brett was the one that was talking about the. Um, you ivermectin. said Brett. You said Brett. Okay, you I said, said okay, good. Yeah, I mix yeah, them up Eric. all the time because they look alike, and they're they're both on Joe Rogan all the time. So I just mix them up. <laughs> yeah, if I were the thinner Weinstein, I would take exception to that look alike. But I've never been the thinner anything. So hey, at least you know AOC would be attracted to you. I know. I just gotta, just gotta get some gay to do my makeup, and I can fuck her all day long. Um, oh my god! So the uh, so anyway, we're getting me away from my uh, what I was gonna say. Oh, I'm sorry, man. You just, yeah, you just you have to follow the money on these things, man. Like, so you don't think? Let, let's get this straight. So you don't think when a politician like Gavin Newsom is invested in companies like Uber and DoorDash and Lyft? You don't think that that somehow influences his policy to say no indoor dining. The only kind of dining during this shutdown is going to be delivery services. And by the way, have you heard of the delivery services that I have shares in? It's like, dude, these motherfuckers are so corrupt. They're literally, oh, let's mandate the vaccine so that you have to let us spend your tax money on free vaccinations. And by the way, those vaccine companies are going to donate $20 million to my next campaign to make sure that I stay in power forever. It's a total Mm -hmm. work. It's a total work, man. So anyway, I've had it three times. Uh, not a, not a real concern. It's just, you know, it's, it's getting sick now. It just sucks. And one of my friends was like, I actually think that, uh, COVID is potentially like, 
um, simplex or HPV where it stays dormant in your system and you have these flare ups or whatever. That's one of my other friends' theories. And whether that's well, that true- would make sense if you've had it multiple times, but we haven't seen a lot of people. There aren't a lot of cases of people having it multiple times. I've heard yeah, of the it. Other- the other problem is but, when I first had it, I had it before anybody even had had a name for it, COVID. When I went to die, they were just like, yeah, it's just this bad flu that's going around that everybody has. Just Are you yeah. sure that's what you had? Because there weren't tests for it back then. No, there weren't. But the symptoms were all the same as when I did test positive. So that's all okay. I have to That's all I have to It, fe- it felt like it? Yeah. No, no. It fe- Yeah, the second time felt like when we did test positive, the second time felt like a weaker version of that first time, but all the mm-hmm. symptoms and the progression of symptoms through my body were exactly the same. And the only sort of long-term effects I have is like, uh, it feels like kidney and liver discomfort from time to time. So like I'll have, I'll wake up really dehydrated with sore kidneys uh, or I'll, if I eat like really uh, fatty foods or whatever, like I feel, I can feel it in my liver. So I started taking different digestive supplements to kind of aid in those things. And it's not a problem, but um, you know, like when people say things like, oh, we don't know what the long-term side effects are. It's like, yeah, we don't know what the long-term side effects of the vaccine are either. You guys are just pumping them into everybody's arms and, uh, and people should be, well, you should look, you should look into the ivermectin thing. I, like I said, I'm not a doctor, but uh, I've, I've read reports that it's, it's helpful for long haul symptoms mm-hmm. even after you beat it. Yeah, I'll check it. I'll check it out. I don't know but if it's it, legit or not. YouTube's probably going to censor me for even saying anything, but, but go, whatever. But going back to, um, but going back to uh, the the thing about visiting the doctor is like, yeah, there we do have this sort of weird obsession with staying alive as long as possible. And I look around and I go, well, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends and loved ones who uh, are already dead, and they didn't get to do half of the fun shit that I got to do in my life so far. So I feel I feel like I'm playing with house money. I feel like, uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of cool shit for somebody who's only 37 and I have, uh, you know, I've been with the same person now for 10 years. And so, you know, like when you look at the things that people have on their bucket list of like, these are things I hope I get to do before I die. I feel like I've done a lot of them and there, and I'm not saying I'm done. I'm not saying there's like not a lot of other shit I would love to do, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like I'm already coming out ahead. And so, you know, if my ticket got punched tomorrow, I wouldn't have resentments about that. Or if I found out that I was, if I found out that I was terminally ill tomorrow, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, let me spend all my time and money trying to get more days. I would just try to Mm -hmm. make the most of the days that I have left. But I also don't think I'm not a live every day. Like it's your last uh, kind of person. Like I fuck around a lot. I, there are days where I like to sleep most of the day and not do anything. And so to me, if you're not one of those people, what the fuck are you doing trying to get more time? You're not using the yeah. time you have. You're not using the right. time you have. And most of the people who are obsessed with staying along live, uh, alive longer, I, I sound dyslexic. Um, most of the people who That's are obsessed symptom. with staying alive longer <laughs> make the least of the time that they already have. And so I think, do you think it's just because people are afraid of what happens after you die? Uh, do you think they're just like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen? What are your you, choices? There's an afterlife. Yeah. There's not an afterlife. Those are the two choices. It right. keeps going after your physical body dies or it doesn't. If it doesn't, you don't know any better. If it does, cool. And then you, yeah. you get to go on and do that. That's, you know, Maybe all the people that are trying to live as long as possible are just the ones that are certain that they're going to hell. Like, oh, yeah, fuck. maybe. Yeah. Well, that, it's, that is an interesting theory, right? Like, what have you done? 
That's the same yeah. thing I say about like people. Well, I use the Mark Wahlberg story all the time when people talk about like systemic racism because you'll hear people and celebrities do this. Like when he beat up all the Vietnamese, when he beat up all those yes! Vietnamese kids. Yes, he's like, we all have that story about a time where we, you know, we beat the shit out of a Vietnamese like, kid. <laughs> no, we don't, Mark. No, we don't. I didn't. Commit that being said, I don't think he's a. I don't think he's racist now. I totally forgive him for that, yeah, but maybe I, bet, I should. I bet if I killed a couple of Chinese, it would get out of my system too. Uh, yeah, he, but he was a kid in Boston, man. Isn't there wasn't there a lot of racism in the late '80s in Boston? When, wasn't you're there. Boston Irish? I mean, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I've Boston never been to is, Boston, so I don't know what it's like now. Yeah, listen, everyone that hates black people wears red socks. I hate to tell you, um, but yeah, they yeah, Boston's a horrible fucking place in terms of racism. So is Philadelphia, where I grew up. But my point is, is don't speak on behalf of all of America when you talk about your lynchings as a child. You grew up in a fucked up place. You grew up with a fucked up sensibility. Focus your energy on changing the way you see the world. And people like you see the world. But don't try mm -hmm. telling me that all white people had that moment in their childhood where they beat someone up based on race because we all don't. We don't have it. Yeah, but we all have something in our, child, in our childhood that we did wrong. I mean, it could have been totally not related to race. Um I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I, I feel like we need to talk about that. Oh no 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 no! And nor do I have the, nor do, nor do I have the right. But I also uh, I also think that we 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 have a, such a tendency to judge people on on the the shittiest thing about them, and it's like dude, just like I'll, I'll use Mark Wahlberg as an example. Like just because he did a terrible thing doesn't mean that he's a shitty human being now. You know. And so, no, and by the way, but I get your point though. He shouldn't be preaching about you know how everyone's. <laughs> Everyone no, no, no. used to be a racist. Well, no, the, yes, the, that's that's the issue I have. I don't have an issue with even that he did it because, like, yeah, right. like you said, we all have things that we're ashamed of from our youth, right? Right. Um, but don't don't try to pretend like that's just an every boy experience. That was your experience. Right. You grew up in a fucked up environment where you thought that was okay. And so, I never, I was never racist toward any minority growing up, and that was because everyone in my community was white. I was, yes, I was. <laughs> I was ra I was racist back because I was picked on for how I looked all the time as a kid by every race, and that's just how we shit on each other as kids. Where I grew up was like, what they pick on just because you got red hair? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Wait, have you? Are you the, you're not the guy from the Gingers Have Souls video, are you? No, no, that's it's uh, <laughs> Copper Cab. He's the Andy Kaufman of our time. Um, and now he he was trans for a while. Remember that? And then now he's like super woke. I yeah, had no fucking he, clue. I, I all I've seen is that video. I didn't even know he was a. I didn't even know he was a dude. No, he. I'm well. I didn't mean dude, but like a person. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a real person. That's a. And he's an Andy Kaufman. You think it's all a joke? Oh, everything he's ever done is like that. Yeah, he's he's a total Andy Kaufman type. He's. Uh, I love Andy Kaufman. Man. That that, yeah, that Jim like, Carrey uh, movie put me onto him. I didn't even know who he was. He transitioned for a while. Then he was like as a joke. Yeah, no, like he did it like seriously, the way you would commit to any bit if you're a very alt kind of comedian. Um, I think he did it for a year. He like lived as a woman. And then um, and then he was like super conservative and he went that route. And then now he's like, <laughs> and then now he's like super woke and he's gone that route. I mean, he's like, you know, he is uh, he's what I would call a comedic grifter. Where in a way he shifts the way a lot of these grifters do, um, but I don't think. But he's it's making, making any, fun. It's making fun of making, the grifting, though. Yeah, but I don't think he's actually making any money at it, which is kind of 
you know, it's almost like he's doing it for the love of the game of shitting on. Well, it. Kaufman but, didn't give a fuck about the money. I mean, he made a lot yeah. of money, but he he would have done that any all that anyway. No, so you know, it's funny. Like a lot of people hate Copper Cab because he's all all over the board. But I I kind of get it. I look at it and I go like, this dude's doing like a Kaufman thing, and uh, good for him. Yeah, you know, he had a reality TV show for a short lived time on <laughs> on like uh, I it was like MTV Two or some shit. And it was like him and his grandmother and it was like this they were just total white trash and you know so yeah i mean he you know uh it's interesting it's interesting you know because you got to remember that kid got famous when he was like 12 or something yeah he was gingers a preteen or a teenager thing yeah yeah i i thought that video was real that was a joke no no it was i think it was real uh but that's the thing with kaufman you you can never tell like that's part of what's so could have been a genius when he was 12 and was like let me just be this i'm sure kaufman was character let me just play this character of angry redheaded kid who thinks that this is a real thing he has to fight against and i don't know i've never i've never met the dude i'll just say that uh he i don't know if he's still friends with gavin but he was friends with gavin for a long time and i think mckinn's McInnes, yeah, and yeah. I think I think Gavin is a real smart guy. He's a real funny guy, and um, and so I have to. Was presume... Gavin a comedian? Was he a comedian before all this alt right shit? Gavin's done uh, stand up, but he I don't think he would ever say he was a, a stand up comedian. But yeah, I mean he's written books, uh, and I'll tell you, he's another one of my friends that I think is as funny or funnier than most comedians. I oh, know. he's fucking hilarious, and Dude, I was really we... pissed off. I think Spotify took away the Joe Rogan episodes with him. So you can hardly you can't find him anywhere unless you go to weird websites. Well, but he's so is, fucking like, funny. Well, he's also he blew my mind when he when he talked about the Middle East and how the vast majority of those people are married to their cousins. And I was like, inbred, no fucking way. Uh, I, I looked it up. It. I was like, no way. It's true. They looked, they looked it up on the show. I Joe know, but I looked it Joe up again. Believe, Joe didn't believe that it was real. And then Gavin made Jamie pull it up. And there was like, I don't know, 10 articles on how it's real. Yeah, like, we are one like, generation away from solving all of our problems in the Middle East if we just made it illegal to marry your fucking cousin. Yeah, well, and it's so funny <laughs> that my girlfriend's Middle Eastern, and it's like all of the... It's funny, when you listen to like conservative criticisms of the Middle East, most rational Middle Easterners agree with it. Like, yeah. the only people holding on to those awful traditions uh, in, that, in that part of the world are people who are like religious fanatics. You know, and everyone else who's like fled there, like her family fled there during the revolution. And um, anybody who's left there is like, oh, yeah, that Stone Age shit is crazy. Like, which revolution? Which, the one in um, Iran Lebanon or, or Iran? Okay. No, yeah, the Iranian revolution. So, like Ron Paul know, said, we should never have installed the Shah. <laughs> uh, no, the Shah was fine. It was the Ayatollah that was the problem. I mean, if you go, mm. Gavin and I talked about this, I think, on the first podcast we ever did together, but he goes, if you look at footage of Iran in like the 60s, it was like the Jetsons. They were like a cutting edge Western civilization. They had tremendous wealth. They had tremendous education. They were they were literally fastly approaching Japan in terms of economy and um, and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, innovation. So mm-hmm. and economically and in terms of innovation, they were like right on the heels of Japan in terms of being America's rival in uh, in terms of like innovation, technology, education, those types of things. And then uh, Islam hit it like a big fucking uh, missile. There's a great graphic novel ch- about that called Persepolis. Have you ever heard of that? I think no. they might even made it into a movie. No, it's, I'll, I'll it, read it, though. 
I had to I had to read it in college for my first year seminar class, and I think it's a true story. I think the author of it is it's actually about her when she was a little girl in Iran during the revolution. Yeah. And it's I mean it's a graphic novel, so you can just fly through it. I mean, it, but it's a great. It's called Persepolis. P E R S O P I uh S O P I L I S or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's awesome, dude. It's legit stuff. Yeah, I mean, so you you look at those things, um, you know, and and to we unfortunately in our privileged culture we think speaking out against something like islam is uh is is uh closed-minded or whatever but like it's like that thing of saying like all terrorism or, or all islamists aren't terrorism but most terrorism is islamic or religious yeah fundamental well it's the same thing with like white supremacy right it's like not all republicans are white supremacists but all white supremacists vote for republicans you know it's like, not necessarily that's actually <laughs> that's not, probably true you're probably true. right historically it's the other party um, no, well, yeah, historically for sure. The Democratic yeah. Party was the one that opposed slavery, <laughs> right, or the right. abolition of slavery. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And by the way, the the party lines are irrelevant. Like, the, you're right. The pe- people pick party based on how they think they can get elected, and w- and which constituents they think are most likely to vote for them. Anyone who decides to be a politician is a, is a narcissistic, power seeking asshole. And um, there's just no way around it. I don't think they're I think like the Tulsi Gabbards of the world are the anomaly like, mm-hmm. you know, but but this is the thing. You cannot convince me you wanted to serve your country for the betterment of your country unless you were in the service. It's impossible because unless you were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. Uh, and. You know, so it's like it's like I put out a series of tweets this morning where I was like, I've got great ideas for policy and great ideas for solutions and great ideas for compromise. I have no desire to run for office or to have any of that in my hand in any of that seriousness because I don't seek that power. I don't have any interest in the power and, you know, to change the to, to for people with the best ideas to be the ones to influence the way our culture moves You'd have to change the whole system. You'd have to tear it down brick by brick. There's no way. There's no way that somebody you, you saw it with Trump. Trump was an outsider who found his way in and everyone on both sides colluded to prevent him from having any meaningful impact on our country. And yeah, he, and he, they he, um, they almost ruined his life outside of uh, politics, too. I mean, they're, he's constantly facing litigation, investigations. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, it, he's it, fucked. He's fucked he's, forever. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, he'll be fine, but it's, it's just going to he's always going to be fighting. It's going to suck until he dies. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and and I think time will tell us, like, if you look at Trump, like what they did to Trump leading up to his election, what they did to Trump during his presidency and what they've done to Trump and his entire family after his they're still talking about the fucking guy like he's still in office. And when you see what they've done to ravage the legacy of everything he's built and everything he's done in his life, it's one of the most accomplished, regardless of how he got there. He is as synonymous with the branding of the American dream as anyone else. He was the poster child for American dominance and success from like 1978 all the way until like 2010. And so, you know, when you can basically take the real life Uncle Sam the real life poster, the real life figure of American excellence propaganda and turn him into the biggest villain the world has ever seen because he threatens your power dynamic. No one is safe. And and why the fuck would anyone with any sense ever follow in his footsteps and try to be president? 
You think The Rock is going to be president now after what they what he saw they did to Trump? You think any person with any fucking shred of of intelligence would ever sacrifice their entire life to go do what Trump did? No. He has this very unique brand of narcissism where he almost is like unafraid to martyr himself unafraid to say yeah yeah people always accused him of being a a, like an egomaniac or a megalomaniac i'm like you know that's not always a bad thing no because because trump's pride was really tied up in being fucking awesome at being president and i you know i think it it was in the interest of the american people to have someone with that ego in there now it can go the other direction where you have what nero who wants you to listen to him play the liar even though he sucks at it, right? So right. there's like stories, right? It can be bad, but in Trump's case, success is how he determines his own self-esteem, I think. And yes. I think radical success and good work is incredibly important to him for his own happiness. And I think that America benefited from that a lot in a lot of ways. Well, it's funny because we used to hold him up for those traits. We used to hold him uh, yeah, up you're because right. he was that kind of person. Like this man... You know, this man is hell-bent on success no matter what he has to do to get it. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. we were like, now we're like, isn't that dangerous? Meanwhile, we look right next to him at other billionaires who do the same kind of shit. And we still go, isn't that amazing? Look what Oprah had to do to get to the level of success she's at. Isn't that amazing? Like, you have to have that wiring to get to that level of success in any field whatsoever. And then, you know, we just showed people what happens when you try to circumvent the power brokers of Washington and use that power for the good of the American people without their permission. Because we've we've learned that if they didn't give you your permission or their permission and you don't do it the way they want you to do it, they'll destroy you and they'll destroy everything you've ever built. And they they'll they literally have spent six years crafting a narrative that this man is Hitler, you know. And uh, it's just insane to me that we would take one of the, like I said, one of the all-time figureheads of the American. How many immigrants came to America because of Donald Trump? You know, how many immigrants? You were mean like, since the seventies? Yeah, you mean like who during looked his at Donald Trump and his lifestyle and said, "I have to move to America." That guy, this well, guy his guy. wife certainly did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you look at the women he's fucking. You look at the way he lives. He's got his own jet. He drives. He's got these amazing cars. You Doesn't know, drink does, a drop. Does does whatever he wants. Yeah, that's funny how that never gets brought up, isn't it? The fact that the well, Hitler didn't drink, drink either. Yeah. You think they would have ran against them? <laughs> I, you know, it's so it's what's so funny is like uh, I remember having that conversation with my team when my whole thing happened in 2018, where they were like, you know, well, you just can't make jokes like this. And I go, yeah. What about the fact that I like I'm one of the few comedians that doesn't advocate for uh, constant drug use and and alcoholism. Like I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't womanize, I, you know, like if, if I were a fucking, uh, you know, they talk about like the, you're off the field character in football, right? Like, oh, that guy's a fucking, uh, you know, he's a choir boy off the field. It's great. Like my, my off the field character is off the charts, but I like to make <laughs> fucked up jokes. So none of that matters. It's like, right, you guys, right. you, it's, it's, you could choose to market those positives about who I am, but you don't want to, right? Because for whatever reason. So it's like same thing with Trump. They could have talked about the fact that he never drinks and he doesn't drink alcohol. They t- all they talked about was how much McDonald's he eats. And it's like so it's it's all narrative. It's all like people talk about whatever they want to talk about. It doesn't mean it's rooted in truth. It doesn't mean it it doesn't mean anything other than what they're telling you it means. And if you're not smart enough to to sift through the bullshit, then you know, 
you're uh, you're doomed to uh, fall for it. Yeah. Well, it's crazy to me um, how now they're going after DeSantis and there's all these articles saying that he's worse than Trump. And I'm like, I understand why people like on a visceral level don't didn't like Trump. You know, he's a bombastic dude. I get it. You know, maybe he rubs you the wrong way. But like DeSantis, like that guy hasn't fucked up ever. <laughs> like it turns out Listen, almost every critical decision he's made in like the crisis was correct. <laughs> their, big, their, their biggest fear, their biggest fear is that Donald Trump has the humility to step aside and say, I endorse DeSantis. DeSantis. I endorse Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis, they can't. Ron DeSantis is such a popular uh, politician right now around the country because Very of the way he level handled COVID and the way he speaks out about these social things that people think are ruining America, like the way he's speaking about CRT right now and handling that whole national debate. Mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis will be so popular that they can't steal the election from him. Like when a guy will get 120 million votes, which I think is what would if Joe Biden got 80 million votes. Okay, let's assume that's a real number. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis can win by the largest margin of victory since Reagan's uh, second term. Didn't Reagan win like 80 something percent of the vote or something when he was reelected? I don't know. So 80 is hard to believe, but I'm, I'm sure it was solid. So I think DeSantis will get well over 100 million votes. I think everyone in the country wants him as president. And if Trump gets out of the way and further, I, by the way, furthermore, I love this idea. Trump's going to run for Congress. And try I know to he'd in. be Speaker of the House and you'd have to call him Mr. President because oh, you're always Mr. President. So call man. Mr. President on the House oh, floor. It'd be, so <laughs> it'd be the ultimate troll. Be the best way to go out. It'd be the best way, even though it would feel like a demotion. Just to unseat, <laughs> just to unseat your enemies short of having them whacked. It's the best fucking plan. And yep. then could you imagine Speaker of the House Trump with President Ron DeSantis? I mean, Jesus Christ, it would be we'd actually be able to get some shit done in this country. So, yeah, I think uh, so. there we have it. Josh Denny endorses Donald Trump for Congress. <laughs> I endorse that man for what you don't need my endorsement. He'll do whatever the fuck he wants. No, we're going to make it official, man. I'm going to send it out in a press release. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're that's why they're um, that's why they're they're so terrified of DeSantis. You're going to start seeing all kinds of propaganda come out about DeSantis that isn't real because they know. That if yeah. if Biden doesn't stay alive, which I don't I don't even know if he's alive now, but yeah. if they have to run Harris against DeSantis, she will lose by all of the votes. I mean, there will not be there just won't be enough. Pe- the, the problem is not enough people hate DeSantis to collude against him right. uh, to, to for them to steal. the Like people hated Trump. And the problem is, like, you know, even even. um. You know, they interviewed people that, like, worked the election, and they were like, I don't even know these motherfuckers, but I hate Donald Trump. And so, like, there's no doubt in my mind that those types of people believe that Trump was so evil for America that they would do... Yeah, nobody voted for things. nobody voted for Biden, but they voted against Trump. Yeah, and I think the people who did unethical shit that we can at least... We at least know that that one fucking voter place in Michigan was doing fucked up shit with like hidden ballots or mail-in ballots or double dropping ballots or whatever they did in Michigan that led to like 15,000 dead people voting. Um, there were 15,000 dead votes in Michigan? Over 10,000 votes. Yeah, Fleckus did a great video on it where he literally went through the voter roll. Were they prosecuted? Name by name. Of course not. No, uh, because um, 
Oh, what I'm the still fuck here. Still I'm still here. It's just my webcam. I had to reset it. It's all right. I'm still here. Um, yeah. There we go. So no, he just went through and did this this whole thing of showing where the people who voted were people who were, according to the voter records, deceased. Mm. And you know, CNN literally to the point where like the New York Times covered Fleckus video, and then CNN did a thing where they tried to debunk it and said, well, you know, a lot of people have the same name. And he's like, yeah, but they don't have the same social security number and date of birth. Right. So like all these people with all these people with obituaries tied to their social security number also have voter records tied to their social security number. So the same name, same date of birth and you don't see the whole social in the record because obviously they don't share that. But the same last four of all those people. And they were so, you know, go look at that on YouTube. It's like, yeah, I have to look it up. He did in Michigan. And uh, yeah, there. Listen, I'm surprised. I, I, I would be surprised if it's even on YouTube, though. They censor everything, so they're so tired about I, that. Uh, here's the thing: I do believe that the election was rigged. I believe they've all been rigged to some degree. I believe in rigged in the sense of like, um, even going like they've been rigged since Kennedy, since mobsters stood outside voting locations and were like, "Who you voting for? Yeah, if you're gonna vote for Nixon, get the fuck out of here." Like that mm-hmm. shit happened during Kennedy's election. What do you and think? They, do you, they, what do you think happened to Kennedy? I think in terms of the assassination. Written, I think what was written about in uh, uh, "So I Hear You Paint Houses" is probably the most accurate depiction of what happened to Kennedy. I don't. I don't get it. I'm sorry, man. I, I you, know it's an you, expression. Did you see but the I don't movie? Get it. Did you see the movie um, uh, "The Irishman"? Yeah, on yeah I did. But so yeah, the Irishman. Yeah. So they kind of skimmed over the Kennedy shit. So you think? Do you think um, it was the mob, say, though? I, I kind of yeah, have a mob. tendency to think it was the intelligence community. No, I think the mob absolutely killed Kennedy. I think I think Kennedy got the mob to do the whole uh, Bay of Pig shit, so we could fucking go to battle with Cuba. Uh, I think he used the mob to get elected. I think he used the mob to do his bidding uh, along with the CIA. I think the mob was basically an arm of the intelligence community um, to do things that we weren't allowed to do in an official military militarized capacity in that time. And then I think when the mob started making demands and Kennedy told him to go fuck themselves and sicked his brother on them, I think they killed him. And I think they killed him to send a message to any other politician that was in their pocket to say, yeah, we don't give a fuck what office you hold. We'll come get you. So, yeah. I what a way mob, to go, though. Yeah, I think the mob absolutely whacked Kennedy. And, and, and by the way, so the movie The Irishman skims over it. There's a whole chapter on it in the book that The Irishman is based off called I Hear You Paint Houses which is the actual uh, written record of um, the main character. Uh, God, what's his name? James something, I think. Uh, I can't remember. The other guy. Yeah, the Irishman himself. Yeah. Uh, by Charles Brandt. And it's the, oh, Frank Sheeran. Yeah, Frank the Irishman Sheeran. So the funny thing is, is like my dad grew up in that time in the same area of Philadelphia and so while he wasn't in that world at all, he remembers a lot of the stories of the shit that was happening around that time and could corroborate so much of what happened in that book um, that uh, he was convinced and therefore I was convinced that uh, everything in the book is true. And I think wow. that's exactly what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. And I think that's what happened to Kennedy. Wow. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think it's... Uh, and and like I said in the movie, they kind of graze over it. Like, if you, if they could whack a fucking president, what's what if you makes go you whack think a president? Whack, yeah. yeah, yeah. What makes you think they wouldn't whack a union president? And uh, you know, it was just like 
I I totally believe that that's that's likely what happened. It's also not that sexy, um, but I think it is very true. It's, of lots, the time. it's a lot sexier than the official narrative that it was just well, some lone dude. Yeah, and also the idea, like, what are the odds that that Bobby would have been killed too if it wasn't the mafia? Like, who was Bobby's biggest enemy? The mafia. So you know, the reek was basically put into law and and you know he became sort of the gestapo of the rico act and executing that and using it to bring down organized crime i mean why why was he killed and why was he killed after jfk if jfk Mm -hmm. was murdered and taken out of power then why would bobby kennedy also have been whacked after that so it kind of makes sense to me like they were they became they became the enemies of the mob that got them elected and put into power And then they, they didn't whacked. they didn't hook him up after yeah didn't yeah, hold up the end I mean, of the deal and then not only that but then was like we're gonna start prosecuting you guys and coming after you it's like all right you know they're like listen we don't do shit in the courtroom we'll fucking kill you and i think that's what they did well and and i don't think it was the first time they tried either i think you think they tried to kill him before i think there were probably some other attempts on his life before that that we we don't hear about or aren't written about a lot no shit do you know something no, no, I'm just, I've just, I've heard people talk about other things like, uh, I can't believe nobody tried to kill Trump. Well, it's like, the, yeah, I'm, I, well, that we know of. Um, right. Uh, but that was the other thing about, um, that, you know, there's a lot of talk that, uh, you know, the, the Marilyn Monroe, um, suicide was also something that the mob did to protect Kennedy. Um, and then just because that they, was, just because he was banging her and they didn't want to come out or what? I no, thought there was, everybody there was, some, knew. there was something else that was like more uh, pernicious of that. Like she had known something, mm. uh, or she had an abortion. That would have been might have, uh, might have been that. It was, but there was. I, you know, I, I'm not very familiar with it, but um, hmm. there were. Um, yeah, or that, there's there's ones that she you know was murdered as part of a communist conspiracy, um, you know. Oh, and then uh, yeah, so and then there was apparently so word is she was fucking both the Kennedys, and uh, at the same things, time. Yeah, one of the things. I mean, I literally read, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, who knows how they were getting? There is a man behind the curtain. Listen, they were. They were <laughs> They were Catholics, and they're known for doing things in groups. So, um, but anyway, there was a rumor that she was uh, she had threatened to blackmail Bobby. Uh, and then I think he was the, supposedly the one that knocked her up, and she was going to blackmail Bobby, and they had her whacked to avoid that scandal. Um, but you know, it's kind of interesting. So, uh, has ever in the history in America. Has the president's mistress, the president, and the president's brother all been killed within that short amount of Name me another time. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I never thought about it like that. That's crazy. The president's mistress, the president, and the fucking president's brother who was the uh, attorney general under, you know, that has never fucking happened in the history of the United States before or after that. Honestly, all this weird shit started happening after the intelligence community got so much power from World War II. Well, you know, you know, it's and after nine eleven, it was kind of the same. It was almost Every like time we cede power that. to the intelligence community, it seems like more fucking weird shit happens to, domestically. 
Yeah. In terms of yeah. domestic politics. Yeah. And it's easy to rationalize from a national security standpoint. Like if you're working for the FBI and you truly believe that Trump is a national security threat and that it's your duty to your country to do anything you can to prevent, like if you believe that, that's the power. There's no checks and balances. So I think that this, I think a lot of our intelligence community, they actually have good intentions, but they're Machiavellian and Machiavellianism is like inherently against right you know well it it also sort of uh rallies against critical thinking right and so this idea that like there's a that america has an enemy and it's basically whoever we say it is uh you know most of the people that work in the intelligence community come out of the military so by nature a lot of them are followers a lot of them are Mm -hmm. you know they they believe their duty to their country is to do what they're told and right you know that the a lot of this sort of I'd say the more critical thinking arm of the intelligence community is more on this sort of engineering and technology side and some of that. But I would say that um, those people also are like not going to necessarily question um, the authority or the militarized authority of the people that they work with because, you know, like those are great government jobs that pay very well. And, you know, why would you want to upset the apple cart? So, you know, it's uh, it's like the Rogan thing that he said on his podcast, like hard times make hard men, uh, hard men make soft times and soft times make soft men, soft men make hard times. So, um, yeah, well, we officially hit the hard times. Thank God. Yeah. And I think uh, <laughs> but but I do think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people in those government positions, even in the intelligence community, like they, they make good enough money and they believe in what they do as much as they need to to rationalize it. And, uh, and you know, they're not going to push back. They're not going to ruin their entire career. I mean, cancel culture is a perfect example of the psychology of the American person. And it works because it scares so many people into not saying shit or doing shit or standing up against it um, because they, they can't afford to lose their job and they don't want to lose their comforts. And I think the intelligent community operates very much in the same way of like, you know, they they. Um, they sort of lavish you with a good a good salary, great benefits, uh, all the, just do what we say and don't ask questions. And a mm-hmm. lot of people are comfortable with that life. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, man, it's been awesome having you on the show. I appreciate you um, yeah, hopping on to, and talking to me for an hour and a half. I think we made it a little more political than maybe you had hoped, but uh, no, know, no, I don't, I don't care. I, I, you know, I, most of my show is political with most of the guests that I have on. And I just wanted to talk to you because I like comedians. I think comedians are honest and critical thinking people. And um, I, I um, knew that that, that that would play out during this conversation. It certainly has. I really, really was interested and enjoyed your um, contribution. Well, thanks, man. I'm glad you had how can you. How can people find you? Uh, if you'll mention your uh, podcast again and your yeah, Twitter. And, uh, I have two podcasts, uh, The Darkest Hour, which you can get on any platform, uh, which is a comedy podcast. And then I have The Wake Up Call, which is actually only on Locals um, when episodes premiere. And then like a week later, you can get them on uh, any podcast platform ad supported. And then I also just recently launched, and I have a new episode of this going up later today. Uh, of my show called the wait or not the wake up call um, next week tonight, which is uh, a spoof sort of clip show that I do uh, for censored.tv, which is Gavin McInnes's company. Um, so uh, I do a show over there every week, which uh, is basically headlines of future news, not current events, but future events um, and kind of predicting what is kind of coming down the pike in terms of culture and politics and nonsense. And so it's fun. It's a fun show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and I hope that we can uh, connect again sometime. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Take care. I started this podcast because it occurred to me that there was a concerted effort to shame America and what it means to be American. When I asked myself, what can I do about this? It's really hard because I'm not a political action committee. I don't have a tremendous amount of followers. I certainly didn't when I started. I am one American. One American podcast reinforces the values and ideals of America. It reinforces Americanism by having conversations with key influencers of all sorts of different backgrounds, beliefs, but with one thing in common, the belief in America and that America is inherently good. So I'm asking you today as one American to subscribe to the channel on YouTube to keep the conversation going to reawaken America.